How can chasing a sensation lead to an awesome business generating millions? Stay tuned and find out. Welcome. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. What is up? What is up, my Dark Horse friends and family? Welcome back to your weekly dose of neuromarketing learning. I'm your Dark Horse host, Tracy Brinkman, and you, well, that's infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur or one in the making. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, just start leveling out with some great marketing, personal, or business results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Oh man, and we're pulling out all the stops at another big episode today. Today, Alex Vanderhaar shares the power behind neural marketing, how he got into this field, and he even drops an amazing way you can use this power right now. Plus, I'm going to let you in on next week's interview episode guest whose childhood and life choices led him down a path where he now feels it's his duty to call men to a higher standard of living. As per usual, the Dark Horse Corrals are chock full of personal, business, and marketing G-O-L-D spilling from every corner of the Dark Horse Entrepreneur HQ. So let's get to the starting gates and go. All right, my Dark Horse friends and family, today's guest is Alex Vonderhaar. You know, I didn't even ask if that's how you pronounce it. I'm you nailed gonna, it. I'm going to use my German history to, to <laughs> do that. Now, Alex is the CEO, founder, and lead neural marketer for Hidden Falls Media. Now, he has helped hundreds of business owners take their game online. And in his spare time, check this. He's a guitarist who's constantly learning new songs. You can't see it behind me. I'll show it to you in a minute. Got my little drum set back here. We may have to get online and jam sometime. Alex, welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur, man. Tracy, man, thanks for having me so much. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, my pleasure, actually. And like I was telling you earlier, uh, I want to uh, take a minute and step back from the mic and just let you tell your story. Like I said, uh, I know I heard a bit of it when you were sharing on Clubhouse. So, you know, share as little or as much of that uh, that journey that you've taken you to uh, where you've been to where you are today and, and why you like doing what you do so much. Totally. So mentioning Clubhouse real fast, if anybody wants to connect, that's where we've been spending a majority of our time over the last day or so. So you can find me at alex.bonderhaar there, just a real quick plug. But a little bit about who I am, where I got started from. Um, Never, ever in my wildest dreams did I imagine being a CEO or a business owner or anything along those lines. Um, Starting out, I I wanted to go to school for art and I was going to focus on CGI, so looking at computer-generated imaging for movies. And I mm. love the idea of the idea that we could fool the eye with computer technology to do all these really, really cool things and produce these really cool movies. I was dating a girl at the time, and you know, she really got into my head and got into my parents' ear about that, saying like, "Oh, like there's really not that much of an industry for it. It's really not going to thrive that much." Like. Avatar had just come out and she was like, Avatar's a fluke. Nobody's going to want to watch movies with CGI and I'm like, <laughs> it's not going to take authors. It's a one and done thing. So, you know, my parents and my grandparents were like, you know what? You're good in science. You're good at school. Just go through the traditional route and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I, you know, out of spite being an 18 year old boy, young, dumb and full of cum, I said, okay, well, I'm just going <laughs> to choose the hardest science route I can find then. And at the time it was neuroscience. And I actually really enjoyed it because I always loved, <laughs> ironically enough, I loved magic growing up and watching people like David Blaine and Chris Angel and David Copperfield do what they do and understanding that, you know, what we see in our reality and how we perceive life around us isn't necessarily what it is. And then I started reading a lot about, you know, neuroscience and psychopharmacology and how drugs affect our behavior, how plant affect our behavior, how food, how meditation, running, exercise, all the things that surround us on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. affect our brain chemistry. And I was like, wow, this is actually really cool and fascinating. Like it dictates our psychology. It dictates our behavior. It dictates how we live our lives. Like this seems to be a key pillar of knowledge that, you know, if I'm going to get an education, something it's better than getting an English degree that I may or may not use. Right. (laughs) Just out of spite. Right. So I was like, all right, like, 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 let's do it. I buckled in got down to it for four years, got done, got my degrees. And I did the traditional good boy route and it didn't pan out. It didn't, you know, nobody's really jumping for neuroscience majors coming out of college. They want, they want MDs, they want PhDs, they want all the letters and alphabet soup that come after it. But what was really an eye-opening experience for me was that when I was a senior in high or senior in college, I had a near death experience from anaphylaxis shock. And it's unknown airborne allergy. I have no idea still to this day what it is. I get it maybe about once a year. We're all going to full-blown shock, but that was the first time it had happened. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, you know, now I'm prepared. I have the EpiPens and everything else. But back then I had no idea. Never experienced that, no idea what to do. So I was meeting some bandmates down at a Starbucks, walking there. It started to happen at the Starbucks. We got back to their apartment. Um, and by the time we got back to their apartment, by the time she could open up the Benadryl container to try to give some to me, I was gone and on the floor and I couldn't breathe anymore. So I was out cold, no breathing, no heart rate for about two and a half minutes. EMTs were able to bring me back and, you know, I was back on my feet within a few days. But after that experience, I really started chasing what that sensation I felt was and that just that different altered state that I had experienced through that transition and through that process. So I've started to find different ways to chase that. But at the same time, I'm coming out of college. I don't have a job. I can't even get hired at a temp agency to be able to find a job for no reason, not knowing why I can pass drug tests. I'm smart. I can read. I can, I can <laughs> do all the things that they want you to do, right? Sure. And I can't even get a job sweeping floors. It's like, what the hell's going on, man? Like, this is not what all my college professors and guidance counselors and parents and grandparents told me was on the other side of this. They're right. like, right. So I get through and I ended up training Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I was just filled with just rage and just upset mm. and just negative emotions. So a good buddy of mine that I'm still best friends with to this day is like, dude, you need to try Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You need to go roll, let out some of this energy and frustration. Right but they'll teach you how to control a lot of these just like emotions that you're feeling and direct them in positive ways. So I started training and then I started to pick up a little bit of Muay Thai in there too. And I met somebody training because the guy that ran the gym said, Hey, you guys are about the same build. I'm about six, five, two twenty, two thirty. When at that time, now I'm a little bit less, but he was like, you guys would be great sparring partners. You're same build, same size, but he's got about 10 years on you. So he's really going to put you in your place. And I'm like, (laughs) Yes. Like, let's go. Like I, I need, Sign me up. yeah, I need something. Right. Right. So we got through, we got training a little bit and I found out that he ran a flotation therapy tank center. And I, he was like, you know, just, just come float, just see what it's about. See if you like it, you know, it might help you. So I went in and I floated and I finally found 
that thing again. I found that sensation that I've been chasing for all those years. I couldn't find it in psychedelics. I couldn't find it in meditation, but float tanks were the closest thing I could get to it. So I came out and I was like, dude, like I got to, whatever this is, I need to, I need to have more of it in my life. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, I'm, I'm hiring. It's minimum wage. You're working at a desk. You're cleaning salt tanks. You're essentially a spa, a spa boy coming in and cleaning up after people and making sure that after they piss in the pods that it doesn't smell like pee anymore. (laughs) So I'm, I'm getting through. And I've, after a few conversations with them, He's like, you know, I, I hate to do this to you, bro, but finances aren't looking good. We need to figure out a way to turn this around. And I said, well, what all have you tried? He was like, well, you know, I heard Facebook marketing's good. I heard Instagram marketing can really do some good stuff. Not really tried it. I tried a few Google ads first and it really didn't work well. And I'm getting ready to hire this marketing agency to try to resurrect our business. And I said, well, let uh, me let, let me learn a little bit about this before we go and do that. See if I can save you some money and see if I can learn something too in the process. Mm-hmm. So I went out and found a few digital marketers back in the influence days of when they actually meant something online and it wasn't, you know, everybody right. and their brother with the title. <laughs> exactly. So I found everybody out there and I started doing the research on them. I'm like, holy shit, like this is this is all my psychology and neuroscience classes about reward behavior, about social identity, about how we accumulate tribes and how we how we connect with bonds on different people, what our human needs are at deep emotional and psychological levels, and what we look for out of people in order to fulfill these needs. Mm-hmm. And the more I was doing research on digital marketing, I started to realize, well, that's the same shit that we're talking about in all these other classes. And then I started figuring out through a lot of research, well, there's actually a field of this called neuromarketing. Mm-hmm. And they put people inside of fMRI scanners and show them and have them go through all these different pathways and brands, look at all these websites and figure out what actually works. So I started digging into that research and figured out, well, there's really only you know maybe 100 or 200 people in the world with this job title. So I started doing research as to like what actually gives you this job title. And from what I found, it was, well, there's really nothing. It's just how much knowledge do you know about this, right? There's no certification. It's not like I have to go pass a bar exam somewhere. I'm like, okay, well, this seems to make a lot of sense. And with the psych and neuroscience background, I'm already way further ahead than all these digital marketers. I just have to learn the digital marketing component, right? right? They're trying to learn all the psychology and stuff that I got formally educated on. <laughs> I'm trying to pick up Check. the hundred. Yeah. I'm trying to pick up the couple hundred dollar course off of, you know, somebody's click funnel account. That's going to show me how to actually build this stuff out. Mm-hmm. So within about 18 months, I was able to bring them to a $2.2 million business after being in debt by over a hundred million dollars or not a hundred million, a hundred thousand. So we took them from a hundred thousand up to 2.2 million in about a year and a half, almost two years. And we were able to open up two brick and mortar locations. And we were able to really grow a thriving online business that had a brick and mortar component to it. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was still making minimum wage. I was managing both brick and mortar locations. I was managing a staff of about 15 people all while making eight, 12, eight, 15 an hour. So him and I had to come to Jesus moment and said, look, man, like, (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute, are you right? (laughs) Yeah. It was a come to Jesus moment with Tito's and soda and trying to figure out what was actually going to work well. Mm -hmm. And he was like, look, like, it's just not part of my business model to ever have somebody full time, no matter what you do. Like it's, it's never going to be that way. So I ended up saying adios and January 1 of 2018, we started our agency. So we're coming up in two days on the three-year mark. Nice. Which has been really thrilling for me and really, really exciting. So that's where I've been in the last, you know, 
two and a half, three years at this point of just helping and serving business owners by teaching them that marketing and advertising is all based on human psychology. Right. And the faster we are able to get past the tools and the tactics of how to do that and understand the underlying principles of human psychology and how we interact with this highly addictive device that we all carry inside of our pocket every day, right. faster we'll be able to get real results for your business. It's not going to be a flash in the pan result. It's going to be a strategy. There's going to be plans and you know mm-hmm. growth towards that. You know, we might get kicked in the face a few times, but we're going to get there because we're using principles of human behavior. So in, in a nutshell of two and a half, three minutes, that's how we got there. <laughs> no, that's that, that's actually money because, you know, you sit there and I think about all the the folks I've listened to, you know, and obviously I'm a, I'm a little longer in the tooth than you are. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even if I think about the past decade of all the people I've listened to in the marketing industry, and I spent 12 years at Coca-Cola in the marketing field. And so, you know, those are the guys that are, that's all they do. And they're and Coca-Cola is like that marketing engine. And uh, they're all like, okay, well, people are going to go after it because of this and because of that, because of this, because of that. It sounds like you've taken that, uh, that that magic right there oh the reason they do it is and you said okay i'm gonna start there and move it into the marketing field and say now i already know why they do it now let's apply those principles as a core rather than doing the reverse and say okay i'm gonna learn how to do the marketing oh and i know why they clicked on this one because abc right right yeah I, i can't imagine why people haven't gone this route like more aggressively before, I mean, you were you were mentioning like a hundred folks out there that kind of have this this neural marketing title. Yeah, I I don't know why either. I think a lot of it's still in academia, mm-hmm. and people aren't willing to read academic articles. Yeah, and that's I mean, probably. I don't blame them. Like, it's not something I necessarily enjoy to sit down and read either. But I made it a goal to read at least one a week for a really long time, and it adds up to a lot of knowledge. Yeah, and it may be, and correct, and check me on this one. You know, if you think about it, of course, it's been a long time since I've gone through the collegiate path, but I imagine the marketing channel is a lot more exciting, right? You get out of there and you can land the job at some big company doing their marketing right. or some, or, or start your own agency. Whereas if you follow the 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 psychological path, it's a little drier. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, now, now I know that now, I, how do I turn that into marketing? Uh, Ugh, you mean I a, have to take neuroanatomy classes to understand marketing? Ugh. Right. What is up Ugh. with that? I have to I memorize all the parts of the brain and the systems and structures and functions. Ugh. Oh, heaven forbid I be educated in what I'm trying to learn. Yeah. No, I mean, they're at the end of the day, you're trying to manipulate a system in the brain. So why would you not take the ethical route and try to learn the right way to do that? So that way you're not frying somebody's brain or causing them to have identity issues in the process. Right. Or doing one thing in one part of your ad or marketing that moves you forward. But then two steps later, you do something. You don't realize why that you did it. That steps them back to where they were. And you're like, what happened? Right. Oh yeah. My favorite example is like on a website, they'll be like, it's overwhelming, but they'll show a lady smiling. Right. It's like, it must <laughs> okay, not be very overwhelming. Like, that's not congruent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the brain's going, Hmm. hmm. Yeah. And, and there, I think there's a magic piece in that. Right. Because 
our brains will pick up that even if it's not conscious, our brains pick up on those things and start telling us, you know, I, I don't know why, but some reason I don't like this guy. Something's off. Yeah. Something's, something's off. off. You're like, ah, okay, I'm moving on. I'm to the next guy. Yeah. All right. I get it. That's cool. All right. So I want to step back. All right. So I, I, I think I know what neuroscience is and you, and I think you did a great job of giving us the, the, you know, the, 10,000 foot high level. Okay. Here's what it's all about, but how are you taking, maybe you can synopsize it for myself and the listeners. How are you taking that knowledge you have and using it to actually market something or, or make someone market better? That makes sense. Yeah, totally. So a lot of what we see within marketing that, let me start with where we flop, where 95% of marketers flop on their approach Sure. They're just assuming that the market wants that product. Mm -hmm. We haven't poked at a need. We haven't talked about it. We haven't really laid the framework to see if any of this is actually a, one, a viable product or service of what mm -hmm. they actually need. Or even if they did need it, did something scare them out of that need, right? We can sure. have a need. You and I can have a need for this pen. But if somebody came along and shoved it in their eye and, you know, now we're going to look at it and be like, okay, well, now was it this dude being crazy or did that pen have some like craziness to it that we don't want. Okay. To touch, right. Okay. Right. So there's, there's different levels as to how we can start with this, but understanding where the market's at, not necessarily just knowing the market, but what's their current mental state. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an amazing, amazing book that I recommend to everybody that's interested in marketing. It's called breakthrough advertising by Eugene Schwartz. He is the OG marketer when it comes to copywriting and copywriting is one of those fields of marketing that it's very rarely talked about, but it's one of the most critical pieces, which is the written word. But he also talks about understanding your market sophistication level on a scale of one to five. How, how aware is your market of what the product or service is and does? Mm -hmm. And at what pinnacle point do we reach a point where it's just so saturated that you almost need an entire flip of the brand in order for it to become effective again. Mm. When we reach that pinnacle point, most of the time we're comparing brands. So it's Coke or Pepsi, McDonald's or Burger King. Okay. Right. But at the top of the line awareness, it's, hey, we've got people like Elon Musk talking about their about his digging program that he's digging underneath cities. Right. So it's a concept that's kind of out there or like when the Hyperloop came out something that nobody really talks about. He's great at that level one market sophistication. Nobody really knows about it. Mm -hmm. What we don't see him be great at is the levels four and five, where we're talking about, you know, distinguishing features or attributes between products that work well or don't work well. Mm -hmm. So looking at how we start to approach neuromarketing from this, it's let's look at the psychology of the user. What are they truly going through without their daily lives? What are their habits? What are their rituals? You're now listening to, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. What, how do they live their life? And where can we intersect our brand or a product into their daily lives? The best brands and products don't try to add something to a habit. We're trying to intersect them in between habits because that's how we start to change. It's really hard to change a habit. If, you're a, if you've smoked camels for 20 years, for me to be able to pitch you a Marlboro is going to be damn near impossible. Right. What, what I can do though, is I can pitch you an alternative product that fits into your life around that. So that's where we start looking at, okay, if we can't beat them, how do we join them? And how do we join them at different habit levels throughout their day? So Coca-Cola is really great at this when they talk about their midday slump, 
right? It's not reaching for another cup of coffee. It's reaching for a Coke. Right. Right. So it's, I can't beat the coffee industry, but I can join them throughout a habit of, if I know at two o'clock, you're going to hit that slump, I'm going to give you just enough sugar and just enough caffeine to get you another three to four hours out of your day. So you're like, wow, that actually worked. Now I'm home. Now I'm allowed to feel like shit, but I couldn't feel it shit at work. So now that we're able to start to do this, we can see, oh, well, that makes sense as to how I'm stacking a product or a service into a habit that already exists. Nice. I, I can, uh, there was one other, I have one other example for that, uh, that Coke uh, not being able to beat something. So uh, when I was a uh, part of Coke, they actually uh, bought the Barks Root Beer brand mm-hmm. and, uh, and they, they put it under what they call a spicy cherry category, right? And uh, as they were reintroducing the Barks brand across the United States, there were markets that were, you know, very A&W and very, you know, Sprechers and depending on where you're at, uh, those little, uh, we'll call them the corner star market brands that are more local until they got down to Texas. And when they got down to Texas, they found that the spicy cherry brand was completely dominated by the Dr. Pepper. And they, they figured, all right, there's no way we're dislodging Dr. Pepper from this market. So they actually flipped it on its ear and they did, uh, they did some studies and found that a lot of the folks that were drinking Dr. Pepper straight were also drinking mixed drinks. And mm-hmm. so they started going after the pushing the Sprite market as a mixed drink component into that uh, in that market at the same time. And I'm like, okay, uh, it was some of the early education I got into some of the things like, well, why don't we just push harder? And like, it, it won't work. You just right. you won't be able to just displace, like you said, their habit. But they introduced them into another part of their lifestyle, which was their their after hours drink, and used the mix there. Yeah, there's a guy named Nur Eyal, N-I-R-E-Y-A-L, and he has a book called Hooked, and it talks about how some of these big brands have created habit-forming products. And what essentially we're getting at is that in order to create a habit, there has to be certain key barriers or certain key milestones in that journey. Mm -hmm. And where most businesses and most marketers fail is that they're trying to ride that loop all the way around instead of understanding that we're not trying to ride the loop all the way around, we're just trying to ride from habit to habit. Yeah. Got point A to point B, y'all. <laughs> right. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's just neuroscience. Uh, uh, that was a good one. Thank you. you <laughs> I like that one. So you, were, you, you actually mentioned that a lot of the, uh, a lot of the mistakes that their folks are, are, are making in their marketing is some of the things you, you talked about. So, Tell me maybe one or two awesome tips from your your course set of knowledge that someone listening can go, I could do that and and start putting into play. Totally. So I'll go over what I I love to talk about this because it's it's really eye-opening and I haven't heard a lot of other people talk around this topic because one of the most common problems that we see as as I see as a business owner and as I see as so I interact with a ton of e-com owners and a ton of brick and mortar owners that they struggle with how do I produce content, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, it seems right. like whatever I talk about just gets lost in the noise. It gets glossed over. There's really nothing to it. And I don't get the results off of social media. So I stop. So one of the things we've started to really talk about, talk more about is how do we, how do we get better at social media content? 
First one is go out and buy that book I talked about, Breakthrough Advertising, and just read it. A lot of it's probably going to go over your head the first time if you're not used to some of these things, Mm -hmm. but really start to understand how he did this. He was the number one copywriter in the world and sold the most amount of dollars through mailer ads. The thing that everybody threw away, the thing that nobody wanted, he was able through a written word on a note card and literally an index size note card sell billions of dollars worth of product and services on a note card. So to wrap your mind around that, thinking about somebody's attention on a mailer card, you probably have about the same amount of time from the time they opened it out of their mailbox to the time they threw it away in the garbage can that you get from somebody scrolling, right? So you don't just stare at it the whole time you're walking up to the house, right? Look at it, eh, flip, done. It's the same amount of time. So looking at that, one of the things that we look at is what are the human needs that really drive or motivate people. And there's only six of them, which is awesome to think about. Holy crap. I only have to think about six things around psychology. Yeah, there's only six. And what's nice is that a few of them are actually like the same side of the different coin or different sides of the same coin. Okay. So we have certainty. So I really need certainty around this product. You know, is the fabric quality? Is it going to stain my skin if I wear it, right? I need certainty around certain objects or certain components of the product or service. Mm -hmm. Then there's the uncertainty component also called novelty. So I need something new. Think about this within fashion. Fashion, we see businesses, especially on the e-com space, they'll come out with a hundred different designs a season because they understand that market pace needs a high level of uncertainty and novelty around something new. Then we have significance. Does your product or service give the person that ego bump on the chest to make them feel like top chimp? <laughs> top chimp. Right yeah. So, so if so, right, we're hitting certain dopamine receptors of saying, wow, like I'm important. I feel valued in this brand. Mm-hmm. Right? We talk about how do you add value to a brand? Make them feel significant. Make the person feel like they matter. There's a bunch of ways to do that too. So, so far we have three of them. We have certainty and uncertainty, same coin, different side. We have significance, we have growth. So how does this product or service make me grow as an individual? It feeds into the idea of significance as when we grow, we feel better about ourselves, right? Learning is a massive part of our brain. It takes up almost a third of our total brain from the learning and memory centers. And then we start to look at love and connections. So what type of deep emotional connection do I feel to your business or brand? Mm-hmm. Right, just like Coca Cola, they're loyalists. Yeah. They will bleed and die on that color of red before they dare drink a Pepsi from somebody. And then we have the last one, which is contribution. So how do you, how does it make you feel? We see this with movement based brands, brands like Tom's or um, there's a sock company that said any anytime you buy a sock, we donate one to the homeless. Right? I can't remember the brand name, but I remember the contribution that the brand is making. Gotcha right? Nice. This works really well. So as we start looking at those six independent human needs, understand that your marketing should have all of those included. If I go to your website, I should feel each one of those to some level. If I'm interacting with your social media content, I should feel each of those at some different point because the reason that Tracy may come and drink a Coca-Cola for the loyalty and the contribution and the significance of how I feel when I drink it might be totally different for me because I don't drink soda. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I'm drinking it, it's novelty. It's uncertainty about the flavors that I'm going to get because I haven't tasted it in probably four or five years. When I go to taste it again, it's a new and novel experience for me. 
Right so, but with that, there's also certainty, right? If I open up that Coke can, I expect to hear, taste, and smell certain things, mm-hmm. right? And there's been a lot of money spent researching what each one of those components are. And I'm sure you know much more about that yeah, side yeah. of it than I do. But as we look at those six human needs, all right, so what now? I was like, what does that actually mean that I know these six human needs? We need to look at this through the three forms of content that actually are worth anything on social media, which are education, entertainment, and impact. So by basic multiplication, we have 18 different ways as to how we can actually communicate with our core audience, right? And impact them in different ways, communicate with them differently, educate them differently, inspire them. So now that we've got this, we can lay out a chart. It's real basic. You can either do it on a pad of paper or in an Excel sheet is how I do it. And I lay out day one, I'm talking about certainty and I'm talking about entertainment. And I just go down the list of the all six and I alternate the three as I go. So I'm not talking about the same thing for a full week. Right. I've now got 18 different forms of content. Now that we can start to test this and look at this at a bigger scale, let's say we run this cycle three times. That's three months worth of content that you can post original things that are new and novel for your business or brand that you're able to start elevating your content to push past the noise. And now that we know, we can look back at the Facebook research and data set. We can look at Instagram data. All these platforms have their data and analytics section. Yeah. Go in and see these posts crushed it. We got the most shares off of these types of posts. These posts got us the most engagement. This type of post drove the most sales. This one drove the most brand awareness. Now that we can see that, we can scrap the other ones and say, well, we can come back to them. But the primary messages we need to be hitting and drumming on because that's what our core audience is coming to us for. Mm -hmm. We now have scientific data and research based on key psychological principles that say we can pull on these levers and we're going to get these types of responses predictably. Oh, money. Okay. Mic drop right there. I mean, that's, that's magic right there. I mean, that's what everyone is out there trying to get to, right? How do I find out how to create that, that post that does this or that post that does that? And he just laid it all right out there for you. You're, you're going to want to go back and re-listen to that one. I made myself a note of the timestamp so I could go back and re-listen <laughs> to it myself. That was awesome. You know, I listen to so many, so many folks talk about that very topic of, you know, uh, creating more content. And actually, I discussed it myself and I do a, a different variation of it. I do my three top values. Of mm. course, I'm focused on myself and I, I try to identify with my avatar. I'll call it the avatar. I just sure. use just a word um, as as my audience. My avatar is is me a year ago, right? Awesome. So my my three top values and then, you know, the four top topics inside my arena, you know, so, okay, let's say email marketing, podcasting, you know, digital course, create, whatever. And then it's not, now I, I do, do the same thing you were talking about. I take the value with the topic and the value and, and, and you just roll those out. So we're going to talk about integrity, email marketing, integrity, digital, you know, whatever it is. And it yeah. does the same principle. Now taking yeah. that one layer deeper using those, uh, those six human needs. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. I'm over here wringing my hands, right? <laughs> Have you, um, I just, I was thinking of something while you were talking and there's this book I was, uh, I don't read as much as I used to, but I do, I burn through audible books like nobody's business. And I'm, I was started this one and it really, it hooked me right, at, right out of the gate. And it's called, Trust Me, I'm Lying. 
who wrote that? I've heard of that one. Oh my goodness! Uh, and uh, here I got, I got. I'll bring it back up here. But the uh, the guy that wrote this, I guess, used to be in the advertising game, right? And uh, he's like revealing all these secrets about you know they're using this to manipulate you and all this stuff. And he tells a story where he was trying to get some attention for this movie that he was uh, hired on to get the attention for. And he, he there's this cliche. Uh, I didn't ask, where are you at, at in the United States? I'm in Cincinnati. Okay. I, I used to live in Cincinnati. Um, there's this cliche billboard on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, right by this one bend. So you can't help but look at this sign for about a half a mile. So it's probably one of the most expensive billboards in Hollywood to rent. Well, he rented that sign and he put up this I want to call this uh, invoking statement on there. And it really got everybody riled up about this movie that was coming out. And it was very negative. And all this negative uh, emotion started stirring and it started rippling through and the press got a hold of it. You got all this free advertisement of this movie. And when this movie hit the streets, everyone had to go see it because they're all like, what are they talking about? I don't, I don't get it. You know? So you had the folks that were there like, don't go see this movie because it's awful. You, you saw that billboard. And then the other folks that were just like, literally, what, what's going on? I, I don't get it. You know, so it, it turned out that through that manipulation, so there's the bad side of this, right? Uh, through that manipulation of that, he was able to get that movie to be uh, a, a charter at that, at that launch. Do you see, uh, and I led all that up to say, do you see folks out there, being ethical in this set of knowledge that you're sharing here? It's just like anything, man. A gun can be ethical. A hammer can be ethical. A knife can yeah. be ethical. It's all about that's, the hands and the mind that are using it. You're right. Uh, no, that's, that's a great point. That's absolutely right. And I, I think context matters. I think intent matters even more. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we were talking about Clubhouse earlier, and I think what will make that platform so successful compared to a Facebook or a Instagram I mean, Instagram kind of has it, but the audio feature of any platform has superiority over text hand and foot mm -hmm. because there's so much that gets lost in communication when we dilute it down to one dimension and a yeah. photo, right? If you and I were having that conversation and any part of that could be taken out of context in a one dimensional setting, sure. but That's I have... I have tonality, I have volume, and being an orator, we have the ability to lean in close and really pull attention oh, closer. Exactly. Or we can get really loud and boisterous with yeah. it. And the only difference on that on text is why well, I put a caps or I put dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, shit, like we're losing all the communication that we're yeah. good at as humans. Writing was invented right? As a way to take what was coming out of the mouth and document it so we didn't lose it. We're meant and biologically wired for story and for oration, mm -hmm. and to witness and taste and touch and talk about the world around us. We're not wired to write about the world around us. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a great point too. If you think about some of the first writings, there were actually what pictures on a wall, right? So they were telling the story through a, a different mode rather. And I'm sure they were sharing those stories, like the Druids of yesteryear, sharing those stories by word of mouth, and then also drawing them on the wall as they're telling the story. So you're absolutely right. The, the stories are, are huge and the different modes to get all that, all that data across, right? I can tell yeah. you the story and add my flavor 
layer to it. I can lean into the microphone and really have fun with it. But you're you're absolutely right. I know sometimes if I don't know the person that like I'm I'm emailing for, an email is just notorious for this. You're like, okay, is he mad at me? Uh, is he trying to be a prick? Is he right? All right. What kind of asshole am I talking to right here? Right. And you get them on the phone and you realize that's just their style of communication. They're yeah. just blunt and forward. And you're like, all right, I'm cool with that. <clears throat> and then what's funny is the next time you read that email from that same person, you can hear them in your head. So yeah. you're not, you're not taking that offense anymore. You're like, oh, I, I get it. I, I can joke back. That's cool. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I want to be mindful of your time. You've just been hanging out here and I, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked on this. This is stuff I can geek out on for, for a while, but I want everyone to know how they can get a hold of you if they want to you know, dive deeper into Mr. Vandahar and all his goodness at Hidden Falls Media. Let them know what, what, all, the, all, all the details as well as where to hook up with you. Totally. Uh, thank you for the opportunity of being on here today. I'm super gracious for it. I love getting to connect with you and with your audience. Uh, the best place is anywhere online, to be fully honest. Instagram's <laughs> great for me. I drop a ton of content out there. Same thing with Clubhouse. I'm in there daily while it's still popping. But we dive deep into a lot of these neuromarketing topics on our podcast. And thanks to a mutual friend of ours, we got our podcast ranked within a few weeks of it being launched. It's been an incredible launch. The Fans have been phenomenal. It's the Hidden Falls Media Experience. Uh, it's got my beautiful mug with the big brain behind it. So it's it's not hard to miss. But we bring in all types of different guests. We talk about business development, marketing, advertising, neuromarketing, anything that's here to promote your life and get you to a better spot. Mm-hmm. We don't run ads. I don't try to sell you some bullshit course that you don't need on marketing. So there's enough of them out there. We're here to just provide you value and help elevate your business and your life. Absolutely. That's gold. And I know there's also have the, the Hidden Falls Media website. I was checking that out earlier today. So there's some there's some goodness to be had there. So be sure to cruise on over there. We'll, we'll drop the links in the show notes so people can just uh, catch you on all those platforms. Awesome. Tracy, thank you so much for allowing me to be here today, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Thank you for hanging out, man. I definitely appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. All right, there you have it, my dark horse friends and family. Alex Vanderhaar dropping some neural marketing bombs on us. Whew, some great stuff in this episode. Some thoughts I walked away with. Thought number one, what we see isn't always what it is, right? Alex said those very words. Alex embarked upon his journey into neuroscience almost, as he said, as a spite to his elders going into his collegiate career. But here's the thing. He ended up liking it and clearly leveraged that knowledge into a pretty darn good career and a business. How many times have you started something, maybe even a bit unintentionally, right? Perhaps it was to prove somebody wrong or you wanted to follow in someone else's path or direction and you ended up enjoying the journey. Well, I would urge you to pause and ask why you didn't consider that path before. Was it because you weren't looking around enough? So you didn't even know about it, right? You just, I, I didn't know what was there. Perhaps because you were closed off to other ideas because you were so focused on this one, whatever that one was, whether it was good or bad. So you weren't really to truly consider other viable options. Here's the next question. Are you doing that right now, today, in your life, in your business, or in your relationship? Seriously, take a few minutes today and ask yourself, what is it that I am doing And is it really what I see or what I think it is, right? Will it be or become what I want it to be? And if you get any uncomfortable feelings or answers, then it's time to take a little deeper look, my friend. 
I'm serious. All right. Thought number two, you don't know what you know until, right? And, and here's where I'm going with this. While working as a, as a spa boy, as he called it, for his friend's float tank business, Alex offered to help him with his digital marketing. Now, he started by researching those digital th- that digital marketing landscape that was out there. This is a few years ago. You know, he was getting input from the real influencers that were having success at the time. Now, to his surprise, he realized that this marketing stuff was all his psychology and neuroscience class all kind of rolled together to create, you know, this desired action that the, the marketing was trying to get the prospect to do. You know, aka it was neuromarketing. And Alex already had that core knowledge that he needed. He just needed to enhance his wealth of knowledge with some digital marketing tactical knowledge. So here's the question. What information do you know that when added with a few bits of info, tactical or otherwise, would elevate your ability to serve your tribe twofold, tenfold, a hundredfold or beyond, right? You have to take some time to think you know, do a quick little audit of what it is you already know and how you can take that to your tribe in a new and enhanced way. Then go out there and enhance your core knowledge base with this new or missing skill set that you need, right, to make that happen. I mean, like right now, as soon as you're done listening to the show, go. Really, you can possibly take your 100K business and grow it 22 times like Alex, like Alex did for that flotation company. And thought number three, if you can't beat them, join them. Maybe it should be if you can't beat them, step up alongside them. Alex gave some great examples of engaging your market where they are. You know, if like they're, he was mentioning, if they're a 20 year user of a specific brand that you're competing with, the odds of you converting them over to your brand, yeah probably a little unlikely. So instead, how you can engage with them with that 20 is uh, stepping in and engaging with that that 20 year habit and insert yourself into that daily routine, right? Look, here's the deal. You're going to play hell ever trying to get them to change that habit. Heck, you can't change anyone else. You can only change yourself. However, you can step into their lives via that habit in another creative or helpful manner. So stop to always trying to beat your competition. Instead, step up alongside them and create a compliment to them. Step up alongside them and say, hey, here's an alternative or hey, here's a complimentary option to something you're already doing. Not trying to switch you, just letting you know you've got choices in a world trying to slowly erode your options. Stack your product or service into a habit that already exists. And thought number four, focus on the six human needs. Now, man, Alex dropped some major knowledge here. We need to be focused on those six core human needs in our copy, right? They are certainty, novelty, significance, growth, love and connection, and contribution. Your marketing should have all of these included. When someone steps into your website or cruises through your social media, they should feel each one of these needs at some point and at some level. Now, roll these three types Uh, roll in the three types of online content, which is educational content, entertaining content, and impactful content. Now you stack those together and you can easily map out a huge amount of purposeful content that you can not only publish, but monitor to see what type of content your audience and your tribe resonates and responds to with the most. Now, 
what you can do is you can take that analysis one step further and identify which posts or content types or content mixes are the best for, say, prospecting. Which one drives the best conversion of a prospect? Which ones drives those higher ticket sales? See, you don't want to focus on just that surface level. You're going to have to dig in a little bit and see which mixes of content um, at each of the phases of the customer journey. Remember the customer journey? I think it was back in episode 21, right? Uh, which pieces of these content work best at each phase of the customer journey. I bet some of these results are going to surprise you. They're going to give you some aha moments, but I think they're really going to give you some, oh shit, duh, moments, right? And, and let's take this one step further. So we have our six human needs and our three content types. And then if you combine that with the value um, content mapping uh, exercise I gave you a few, uh, gosh, a few weeks ago, you could create easily 54 plus pieces of content. You can map that out. That's like two months worth of content. You could sit down and say, okay, I'm going to focus on this value and this human need and this type of content. And then that value, that human need and that type of content. And you just kind of rotate through them. And again, go back and do the analysis to see which ones your uh, prospects and your tribe are truly resonating with the best throughout that customer journey. Phew, man, this this episode was just chock full of all kinds of ideas and thoughts. So which ideas or inspiring tips or whatever, which ideas or tips resonated best with you? Whatever they were, I want you to take some time today and put them in the action. Don't wait till tomorrow. That's you know, sometimes just tomorrow never comes. I want you to get out there, run your race, get your results. And come let me hear about them. You can email me at Tracy at Dark Horse Schooling. Share the tips or ideas that you came away with from today's episode or any episode of the Dark Horse Entrepreneur and then how you put them in action and what results that you gain from that, right? And you know what? I, I'm looking for the folks that would do that or take action, step up, use the, the tips or techniques that they're hearing about and get those results, even if they're bad ones. I'll bring you on the show. We'll chat about it. All right. Next week's interview episode guest is Paul Beam. Now, Paul is a proud veteran who served in the United States Marine Corps and now creates and instructs courses for men on vision, identity, purpose, and life change. Now, we're going to be going beyond scratching the surface in this one. All right. Now, I hope you're finding value in this podcast and the amazing guests I'm lucky enough to bring on board. So if you are, then I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and inspirational stories from this podcast. So please go on down there, smash that subscribe button while you're there. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us some kind words in the reviews. Those subscribes, ratings, and reviews will tell those podcast platforms to lift us up a little bit in the hierarchy there uh, in the, on the, the podcast rankings so that we can reach more driven entrepreneurs just like yourself. And hey, don't keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D, all to yourself. Share this podcast with other entrepreneurs and business owners you know will get value from it. And if one is sitting with you right now, just reach over there, grab their phone, open up their podcast um, tool that they have on their Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, and you search for the Dark Horse Entrepreneur and you subscribe for them because you know they're going to get value from it. With that, I, oh, and giving their phone back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action.
Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman. Bye.